Hello, this is Daniel Vayon, and I want to say thank you, Anchor, every day that I'm able to, every time I record an episode like I'm doing right here, I was going to say thank you because I realize I could be spending a lot of money uh, somewhere else. The fact that I have to do this free is great. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello. Welcome to Daniel Vayon's views of wrestling, sports, TV shows, and movies. I, um, I usually, when I do a pay-per-view from the past for the WWE, I usually make sure, um, when it's, when it's in the 2000s, not in the 80s. I always make sure that it's with it's within the time. Well, because Elimination Chambers bring brought back the Sunday, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna talk about the first ever pay per view. So that so that'll be like a uh, retrospect instead of just. It being a part of a, um, instead of it being a part of a topic, it'll be a retrospect of the first time they had a pay-per-view. First pay-per-view is 2010, <clears throat> and I believe that they had done two No Way Out pay-per-views with the Elimination Chamber added for both shows. So they renamed it Elimination Chamber 2010. to do a two-part episode for this. By the way, this is me play this is me looking at it and going through the eliminations and everything. They are lowering the uh, the chamber before the first person comes out. And it's been so long since I saw this that I actually forgot which one comes out first or which show they um they which show's title is on the line first so it could be the heavyweight or it could be the WWE title I don't know that's why that's why uh I'm not gonna say cause it's been so long since I saw it um First one is the WWE title on the line. Now I remember. This was the year they put Bret Hart's father in the Hall of Fame. So the second title match was not for the Elimination Chamber. It was for the WWE title. Drew McIntyre defended the Intercontinental title against Kane, Maurice, and Gail Kim went against each other for the vacant Divas title. And the Miz went against MVP for the U.S. title. And the main event was the second Elimination Chamber match. This time for the World Heavyweight title. I'm glad, glad I'm seeing this because... The heavyweight title has always been my favorite title to see. Okay, I'm kind of uh, giving away... Um, okay, I'm sorry to give away the end result for people who may not see it. But it's because it's a part of the show, I have to say it. John Cena ends up winning the title right here. I just don't remember who he pins. Then Batista came out, surprises everybody, and he lets everybody know that he has, um, that he is, or was it Vince McMahon? He helped Vince McMahon when John Cena tried to help, no, he helped Vince McMahon against Bret Hart. 
So that gave him, uh, they gave him a favor, so he got a tag team, so he got a title match out of it. Second, another thing I remember, this was the year that they broke up the, the group Legacy. So, uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. was the second person to come out. Matt Striker was still doing commentary for them, so uh, he was on he was on the right of uh, he was on my right of right side of me, so he was on the left side of Michael Cole, and uh, Jerry Lawler was on Jerry Lawler was on the right side of Michael Cole. Cena and Ted Jr. are locked into the two pots, so I'm guessing the next two are going to be locked in too, into their pots, so it's interesting. Randy Orton, the leader of Legacy Group, is coming out third. At the time, this was Randy Orton's third ever appearance inside the Elimination Chamber. And I remember the second ever chamber, Randy Orton was in it. And it was perfect. You had, um... You had three different feuds taking part all in one match in the chamber. Triple H was supposed to be defending it against Goldberg, but Steve Austin had changed it. Had a he couldn't change it, so he added the feud of My Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton in that match. He, had, he added them, and he added Kevin Nash and Chris Jericho. So that was the second um, feud. So they had some great, um, they had some really great writers in those days. When you think about how, um, maybe not writing, but they had some great, um, they made some great decisions in those days. In those days, uh, it was still the Attitude Era, but it wasn't, um, wasn't as bad as it was when it started. I can actually watch the, I can actually watch... When they when they um started uh I'm sorry, sorry that I'm uh digressing. I'm just thinking about how the second match, second elimination chamber match was, and how thinking about it those just thinking about it is exciting. So to watch it will be just as exciting. So I'm just I'm just thinking how I wanted to talk about those days. Interesting stuff. Alright. So, yeah, Randy Orton was locked inside the third chamber pod, or the third pod. So, Triple H was the fourth competitor. He might be the first person. He might be one of the two competitors. That's going to be what's interesting about this. Been so long, he had long hair. I actually forgot what he looks like with long hair. Yet I'm gonna lie, he looks better with short hair. Just that keeps it so short, he almost looks bald. That's the only negative aspect of it.
Actually, they said right here, Triple H had conquered this chamber multi, multiple times. And he also, he was undefeated in at least 15 <clears throat> Hell in a Cell matches before losing to Batista in 2006. No, 2005. Triple H himself was was the fourth person to go inside of the pot, so the next two are going to be the ones to start the uh, Elimination Chamber match. Around this time, Edge became uh, the top guy, so he probably is defending the title right here. Kofi Kingston is... First person to come out to um, enter the chamber. Yeah, I remembered last night that he was in the chamber a few times. I just didn't realize how many until I looked back at the first Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And they actually said right here that when Kofi Kingston was supposed to take part in it the first time, he was ambushed, so he never got to. to some, some interesting statistics to look back at. I don't know why they stopped things like qualifying matches for Royal Rumble or qualifying matches for the Chamber, but it's interesting to see. By the way, Sheamus is the champion for this uh, for this pay per view. I don't know why they stopped doing that every year. However, they did bring back the qualifying matches for the women's tag team Elimination Chamber match. After a while, they're either going to have to come up with a new match gimmick, or a new gimmick match, excuse me, or uh, they're going to have to stop trying to think of first ever things to do because it's uh, getting harder to find out why, why can't the women do that it hasn't been a first time ever thing. see Seamus right here. I could see how much he has evolved throughout the years or how much he's changed. Like, I don't know why they didn't let him keep uh, the Cloverleaf as a um, as a submission finish instead of always relying on the Brogue kick. There's a lot of people that if they have finisher that they can use to finish with the pinfall, they will do one or the other. But when he used the cloverleaf, he used it until he could use a bro kick again, and he never used it again. I'm just wondering why they did that. Why they didn't let him keep the cloverleaf when he did it very, very well. The biggest uh, that I believe difference that he ever made was um, when he cut his hair 
and he turned it into a mohawk. He, as a matter of fact, they, I don't know the last time they've said this, but he said, they used to say, you look stupid, and he used to always say, I do not look stupid. And he said, y'all look stupid. What was really funny was he used to say, probably on Twitter, respect the hawk. Okay, it starts off. Kofi got all the offense early on in like the first two minutes. Got running cross body, gets a two count, then a drop kick, another two count. Kick out. Let's see. I think he goes for a wrist lock, gets it. Kicks him in the stomach or the ribs, and then kicks him in the hamstring, goes around. Kicks him in right underneath the chin. Kicks him in the midsection, knocks him down. Hooks leg, kick out before two. Kicks Kofi in the at midsection or abdomen. Forearm, forearms. Hits Kofi, kicks him with a forearm over his back. Then he hits him with a knee drop to keep him down. Let's see. Upper cut into the corner. Sends Kofi into the corner. No. Scott Armstrong, referee Scott Armstrong has got to start counting. But there's not much he could do. This is a cha elimination chamber match. So the eye rake is perfectly legal. Blocks the right hand in a forearm of his own to Sheamus a couple of times. And an uppercut of his own to Sheamus. Kick. Irish whip. Reversal. Kick. Ooh, hits him at the elbow to knock Kofi down. You know, when you watch, when you watch videos like this, you can really, under, you can really, Sholabak takedown, understand or be reminded of why we don't like, um, not that we dislike Kofi Kingston or even Big E or Xavier Woods. But what we don't like is that they're never serious. You can be reminded in in videos like this why why uh, at least for my sake, diving cross body gets a two count on Sheamus and Sheamus kicks out. For my sake, the reason I don't like the New Day as much. As other people might is because I mean, because I think it's it's really ruined Kofi in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think it bothers Kofi one way or the other because I think he is if the New Day gimmick is not was not forced upon them if everything they've done is what they want to do then. You, they probably don't mind it. But when you see all the ability he has going back to to his first ever chamber match, and even before that, his, his title range is both U.S. and Intercontinental, so both Intercontinental and U.S. champion, beating Chris Jericho for the IC title the first time, and then beating MVP for the U.S. title the other time, and he did that with a constant smile. Plus, he spent, I don't know how many days in ECW being undefeated. I should say weeks and months. I don't know how long he stayed undefeated in ECW. But when you see how all that, and the fact that you just can't think of seriously anymore, and it... That's what's really disappointing. On the other hand, though, it's not it's not really bad, it's just disappointing. To see how it looks like you've really wasted um what could have been a really great career. Not that it's a bad career, but they've really wait wasted 
all of um, the potential that he had at one time. Now he has potential, just that for the three or four years he spent with the New Day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to overshadow anything he might do in the future as a as a single star. He went, he turned, went side, he, I think we call this a, a almost like a, uh, corkscrew, where it went sideways for a roll-up, and then he gets kicked off by Seamus, and Seamus starts hitting him with rights into the forehead. <clears throat> He goes for a cover, hooks the leg, kicks down at two, that's Kofi. Seventeen minutes and fifty-two seconds in the video, and there hasn't been an elimination yet. So I got a feeling when elimination starts, it's going to be one after the other, which is very unusual. was unusual at the time. Okay, they go to the outside. This one, they still had the steel, um... I remember now. The parts that were by the... The, um, pods. The reason they are made out of steel was because you could take them off and enter the cage from underneath the ring. I don't think they want to do that anymore, so that's why they redesigned... The inside of the of the cell went for Irish curse back backbreaker on Seamus inside the cell. No, yeah, chamber. Excuse me. Inside of the ring, and kicks out. They went for another knee drop. Ten seconds starts counting down before the first person comes out of the chamber. turns around, which is a smart thing. See who comes out. Okay, Triple H is the first person to come out. That light shining on shining on him makes him look so evil when he smiles. That is not a good thing. Because he's so intense, I guess that's why. Seamus is just staring a hole through him. Triple H, even before he was a part of DX, his debut is something I really want to talk about in this podcast in the future. Let's see. They're just, Triple H is just talking to him, and they start ramming, start putting their hands against each other like bulls, and then they start pushing each other. Triple H gets the first two blows, three, four right hands, and then a knee, and so the Triple H is gut by Sheamus, and a right hand from Sheamus. Two. And first, Irish win. Second, I mean, reversed by Triple H. Misses the clothesline. Then he gets the uh, high knee, then goes for, the, for a knee drop that actually, there are two different people that made that specific knee drop famous, and one of them, of course, was Ric Flair. The other one was, I believe, Jack Briscoe. Goes for the cover. Seamus kicks at it to clotheslines. Seamus in the corner. Seamus goes down to a knee. Him up by the hair, back in the corner. Two, three right hands. Four, five, six. Then a kick. Two, three. In the corner, he got Seamus all the way down in the in the the bottom of the corner. So he decided to kick him. He picks him up to do a clothesline. Two, kick out. 
Who, okay, stomp to, I said kick, it's more like a stomp to the point that he just went off of the turnbuckle and just laid down on the mat. Short arm clothesline, connects, goes for the cover, hooks the leg, two, kick out. Left shoulder up by Sheamus. Let's see. Throws Sheamus with a top rope into the steel. I'm sorry, I don't know what they call it. Um, it's not a mat, it's made of steel, so I'm not sure what to call it. Sheamus actually blocks his head going into the steel with his boot. But Triple H blocks it too. Hits Sheamus in the stomach. Clotheslines Sheamus over the ropes back into the ring. Irish whip goes but meets either the knee or the boot of Sheamus. Sheamus kicks him. I think he may be going for um finisher Triple H gets out of it into a DDT. Looks like two left shoulder up. Kofi blew up the top rope with a the first person I know to do a cross body in the form of a frog splash. Mrs. Triple H hits co hits Sheamus with a cross body. Gets a two count on Tr Sheamus. And he goes after Triple H after Sheamus kicks out. Goes, does his double chop in both of them. A drop kick to Sheamus sends him into the corner. Then throws Triple H into Sheamus in the corner. He had to actually go to the side of the rope instead of going over and he flips himself onto the steel. Kofi Kingston jumps up like he used to do. Stays up there to do like seven or eight, um, actually ten rides and then he flips back into the to the ring. Goes for the line clothesline. I remember before he was in the New Day, he used to do the boom drop, and now I can't believe he's able to do this. He jumped over the ropes to do the boom drop, boom, boom, drop onto Triple H. Because Sheamus moved out of the way in the ring. Let's see. Sheamus comes to close lines, Kofi Kingston. Show a replay. The boom drop to Triple H. Pull, Sheamus pulls Kofi into the ring. Go, goes for the pin and Kofi kicks out with his left shoulder. Puts his left shoulder up. To break the count. Ten seconds. Goes down. Let's see which superstar comes out next. Three, two, one. I think Ted Jr. is getting anxious right here. Okay, Orton comes out next. Right after the champion, Sheamus. Three, four, right, six. One, two, three, four. Stomps, turns around, clotheslines, Triple H. He stomps the abdomen a few times. Triple H's abdomen. Head into the turnbuckle of Kofi Kingston's head into the turnbuckle, excuse me. An uppercut. Pulls Sheamus further away from the ropes. A couple of stomps to Sheamus' abdomen. He starts doing the Ronnie Garvin stomp, but he turns around. Right hand to Triple H. Goes up. Knee drop. To Triple H. This one. Not like the regular one. He jumps up high, then he delivers the knee drop to Sheamus. Hooks the leg. Two. Kick out. Left shoulder up. Ten 
throws Seamus over the top rope onto the steel. Let me see. Kicks um, Triple H to the stomach, I believe, or close to the ribs. Goes out to the steel after Seamus. Head into the uh, into the chains a few times. Right hand to Triple H as Triple H comes to the steel. He throws Triple H into the steel a couple of times. Oh, the part of the chamber itself. He's trying to, I think he's trying to make Seamus tired. He puts his uh, foot against Seamus's throat, trying to make him more tired. Hmm. See, crossbody. Ooh. Kofi got all four men at the same time, or three men, with his unique crossbody block, or crossbody press, to use the old saying, old fashioned saying. Crossbody, I mean, he went for it. Another crossbody, this time, uh, springboard. Gets drop kicked by Randy Orton, hooks the leg by Randy Orton to Kofi. Kofi still kicks out with left shoulder up. Show a couple of replays first the crossbody to all three men, then trip then Randy Orton countering the crossbody with a drop kick. Back to the regular back to the ring itself, show what's happening. I think he's about to do the okay, he stops him a couple of times. Uh He's forgetting about Triple H, not a good idea. Triple H comes in, turns him around with the right hand two times. Three. Four. Irish whip. Reversal by Randy Orton. Face buster. To the knee of Triple H then. Gets runs run into a power slam by Randy Orton. I think he's about to go for the first finish in the match. King is thrown right into Kingston and he ducked Kingston's uh, trouble in paradise. Then when he went for his finisher, he was thrown into Triple H who hits him for the pe pedigree, but he backflips Triple H onto the st into the with the top ropes onto the steel. And he throws Kobe Kingston onto the steel also. Seamus is struggling to get to his feet on the other, the far side. I guess he went through the turnbuckle to get to Triple H and the rest of them. And actually, he can walk around. I actually forgot he could do that. Throws uh, Randy Orton into the exposed still turnbuckle. Call it exposed, but it's really covered with, with a black... Um, rope or something. In other words, it's like cover and it's not as it's not steel so it protects the body. So now they start counting down the clock at eight ten seconds. Now it's eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I think Ted Jr.'s out next. Not at an elimination yet, so it's interesting. Yeah, Ted Jr. is out next. There he goes out to Triple H. 
uh, throws Kofi Kingston over the top rope, almost like the stun gun from uh, Steve Austin's finish was the stun gun, and that's exactly the maneuver he used to throw Kofi Kingston onto the steel, over the top rope onto the steel, and it goes out, Triple H comes in, he's right there to meet him. One, two, three, four, five, six. Right hands to Triple H. That goes for the father's old uh, patented fit diving fist drop. He's looking around to see what to do. Goes again. Fist drop to uh, Triple H. He goes over at about two minutes or a few seconds. He adds, which trip offers to help Brandy Orton up. And the commentators point out how having Orton and DiBiase work together is dangerous for the rest of the men. The first person they go after is Triple H. Gonna go after Sheamus, who's the champion. Okay, knee into the gut of Sheamus, knocks him down, helps Sheamus up by the face, thrown into the middle, go against the uh, still post. Hmm. You know, you don't realize. How uh, the new steel posts are actually more safe for the wrestlers until you look at the old steel posts. The old ones used to be made of solid steel. Now the new ones are plastic. And the only reason they sound hard is because they have a video, they have a camera to show the picture of the shows that, that, it's, uh, that they're on. That they represent. I, rem I remember the first time they ever had that kind of um, plastic. I call it plastic. Um, post. Still post. Or plastic on the still post. It was in 1997 whenever... Um, Whenever Eddie Guerrero went against Rey Mysterio Jr. And he, when he went for, I think he was going for a baseball slide against Rey Mysterio in the corner. But Rey Mysterio's, who he was actually hanging upside down. But when he hit, when he went to hit the baseball slide, he sat up, did Rey, and he went straight into it. And when he missed, he had to split his... He had to open his legs. He went against the the low the um, advertiser's logo, and it was plastic, so it didn't hurt. That's why he did it. In retrospect, in retrospect, that's why he did it, and I don't blame him. If I know that what I'm hitting, if I was him, I would have done the same thing because it doesn't hurt anything. Show outside, uh, Kofi Kingston, uh, getting worked. Getting double teamed by Ted Jr. and Randy Orton. Against the steel. Not the steel that you fall on, but the the steel of the chamber itself. Hmm. So, uh... They said that out of all these superstars outside of Ted Jr. that were in this ring, Kofi Kingston was who Randy Orton blames for costing him the WWE title a few months before that. So that's an even more interesting factor in this match that I even forgot about.
Let's see. Three throws. He went after went after Triple H and threw a few double team maneuver after working on him for a few seconds in the ring itself. Threw Randy Orton threw him over the top rope onto the steel. So they could work on him, double team him in the steel and threw him into the steel part of the part that's the part that you actually see when the chamber is being lowered. Not the steel that your back hits, but steel you're thrown against. Right, right here, I think Ted Jr. suggested to Randy Orton to do his draping DDT onto the steel. That's whenever Triple H started Fighting back with them, and it, I'm wondering, trying to see if it go works or not. I think they, I think they both want to do it, but I'm not sure. Oh yeah, it couldn't exit all right. Ted Jr. goes there so he could taunt Triple H a little bit. Hmm. When I'm watching this, I'm just wondering, you know. Ted Jr. did say that if if uh, if he would go back, he said he would go. He might go back someday, but it it wouldn't be like it was the first time. And I'm just wondering. Ten seconds left before the final entrant makes his entrance. One second. John Cena comes out next. Goes after both of them. Close lines Ted Jr. and then throws Randy Orton over the top rope to the ring. Shoulder block to Randy Orton two times. Goes for that side slam. That leads to the setup move for the attitude adjustment. Connects the setup move. Ted Jr. comes in and bam. No, I don't really, I guess you call that a, a, a different version of a bulldog. Instead of doing a regular one, almost did like what, uh, Buff Buck almost did a version. He executed it like he would be doing the, uh, Buff Blockbuster off the top rope. He goes to the top rope and he, he hits Ted Jr. with the diving leg drop. Goes, uh, not sure, okay, you just use Ted Jr.'s legs to knock it down Orton, but Ted Jr. holds onto the ropes, gets thrown onto the still floor. That's what, I don't know why it took me so long to think of floor, but that's exactly what you call it. He gets thrown over the top rope onto the other Still floor by Randy Orton. Randy Orton goes out after him. He went for an Irish whip to Triple H to John Cena against the steel, the other part of the steel, and John Cena reversed it on him and threw him against the that part of the steel. John Cena goes into the ring, puts the SDF on uh, Ted Jr. Ted Jr. is trying to fight it. And York comes in as I thought he would and he saves the matchup. And his uh, different backbreaker to uh, John Cena. He's setting up once again for his uh, RKO, and that's when Randy Orton comes out. Randy Orton come no, Cody Rhodes comes out with a pipe. If I'm not mistaken, he hands it, throws it in the steel, and Ted Junior uses it. 
believe that's what leads to the first elimination, which I believe, I don't think he hit Randy Orton on purpose. So he had been working with him. He had been working with him, so... Ooh, ooh. Man, that really looks like he meant to hit John Cena, but he hit Randy Orton by mistake, then he hit, you know, on the side of the head, then he hit John Cena in the stomach. He's, he contemplates for a while, then he eliminates Randy Orton first. Now Cody Rhodes is looking like, what just happened? Okay, uh, Shemis goes over Ted Jr. and he starts beating him. He gets pushed off by Ted Jr. The crowd was not expecting that, you can tell. Though, so, uh, you can tell it's what really started leading to the... So I'd tell it's this is what led to their um to their eventual triple threat match at WrestleMania that year. Kofi uh when he was pulled to the ropes, he uh, almost like a Frankensteiner Attempt on uh, on Seamus pulls him back in, then trouble in paradise to Ted Jr. Lemonade's Ted Jr. Let's see, Triple H is still in there. Then bro kick to Kofi Kingston. Had he made the pin right away, he would have eliminated him. He might still eliminate him though, but no, he picks him up. This is another move I don't see him use anymore. It's almost like a parrot version of the throwing um, razor's edge. Looks like two, three. So now, next person to uh, first get eliminated is Kofi Kingston. By the way, let me put it this way. By the way, a better way of explaining the uh, that um, finisher is, you know, when Razor's Edge used to be, used to throw him, used to just throw him right in front of you. What Seamus used to do differently is throw him across the ring instead of just in front of him. So that's the biggest difference between the two moves. It goes after Shea, John Cena. Kepler writes. And it so happens, this was his first ever WWE title reign, and it was Sheamus' title reign. And it was by beating John Cena. So, why wouldn't he go after Cena next? I think he just gave him a knee lift to knock him off the ropes. And to send him to the... To the steel floor by the ropes. He ends up getting back in there. Goes to give... Picks up John, Seamus. Seamus picks him up. The Irish Curse Backbreaker. I, get, I didn't say that the right way. Seamus... John Cena picked him up. He got out of for the picks. He picked Sheamus up for the attitude of judgment. He gets out of it. Turns Cena around. He picks Cena up for the Irish Curse backbreaker. Connects it. He picks up for the power slam. Picks a leg to kick out. I tell her up.
goes this time goes against the turnbuckle pad for the tree of woe. Uh, Jade is not exactly in the right position for it, but still goes against John Cena. Knee to the gut three times. Backs away. In it. Let's see. Helps up Cena again. Ooh. And he, he's trying to go again for the. Not really. I don't know what he called it. It, it as he's walking with Cena on his back. He gets low blowed by Triple H. Now Triple H, all he has to do is the pedigree, which he does right here. And make the cover. Okay, I only have two, three. Okay, he gets the pinfall. I only have ten minutes before this makes an hour. So I'm going to have to, uh, I might have to do this a this might have to be a multiple uh, segment. Nine, eight minutes, 40 seconds left. Oh. I do believe... That I, I need to do this until at least the end of the match. See. He actually, Triple H looks like he's about to pass out, so he might uh, tap out right here. Okay, he just tapped out. He was so tired, he couldn't even tap out hard. He didn't have the strength to tap out hard. The first time I ever saw Triple H tap out without it being, without it being a hard sub submission, or a hard tap out. You can see right underneath the steel, the hard steel floor. You see them raising the uh the chamber. Okay, I don't want it. I don't want it to get to the end without me noticing it. So I'm gonna stop it right here. This might have to be a multiple part episode. So I'm gonna come back and. To the second part in about a minute. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.